Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome back to the Career Catharsis Podcast. I'm your host, Neha Koram. Today, I will be chatting with Nick Johnson, founder and managing director of Executives Global Network Singapore, international best-selling author of the book Executive Loneliness and creator of the membership group Leaders Anonymous. Nick's mission is to raise awareness on the topic of executive loneliness, bringing the discussion to the forefront, having identified feelings of isolation and depression in his own journey as a global leader, highlighting that executive loneliness is much more widespread than we think, and that there are pathways to prevent and cure it. Hi, Nick. So great to have you on the Career Catharsis podcast would love to have you share a little bit about your career journey and what you've been up to in terms of your speaking career and your book, Executive Loneliness. Thanks for the invitation. It's great to be here. And uh, yeah, so basically I was born in Sweden, but I left my home country in the 90s. I decided to go to Australia to study. And after that, I've had almost 20 years career working in various uh, managing roles in Asia, mainly in Thailand, Indonesia, and also Vietnam, and now in Singapore. Uh, So I I worked in some big roles where I was managing 400 staff as a general manager. Uh, First, actually, my roles were in the fashion industry. Uh, ladies fashion handbags and cosmetics and makeup and so on Um, and then later on a very different industry in the medical industry basically managing hospitals and clinics uh, uh, on the contract side of that so uh, that's been my uh, basically my career uh, experience wow that must have been quite a shift so what were some observations for you moving from the CPG or I guess beauty care industry into the healthcare industry? Well, at the end of the day, you're managing people and you're working with people. So it's actually not that different. Uh, Mm. Despite the industries being so different, you're managing people and it's about, you know, just going through the product training and so on. So in that sense, it actually worked for me. What was unique with these two companies were that both were French owned and the management were French. So the company culture then uh, was quite similar and that really benefited me from understanding how to work with them. Right, so you've had quite a rich career in terms of industries and you've served as an executive leader, you're an author, you're a speaker, particularly on the topic of leadership development and well-being. So I'd love to tap into your insights specifically around leadership and well-being. What are some insights or observations that you could share with us? Well, I found myself uh, being quite lonely as an executive, and perhaps it's a bit unique being a Westerner, a foreigner in Asia, and uh, perhaps not having someone from your country close by to speak with. And uh, according to me, loneliness basically it comes up when you feel that you're not understood or you're not around people you can speak with. And it's perhaps challenging already when we are in our home country. But imagine that you are in a foreign country where it's not your native language. And in my case, my first language would be Swedish, my second language would be English, and you suddenly find yourself in Thailand or Indonesia where they speak another language and perhaps they're not so strong in English. So that's the challenge. So you could all many times already just by that setup, 
feel a bit left outside. If then also perhaps uh, in, in my company, then uh, with about 400 staff, if I mentioned one of the roles in the medical industry, we were perhaps 10, 12 foreigners there and the rest were locals. And uh, everyone, of course, having their different departments and so on that they were managing. And it was very rare that you managed to get a deep conversations, perhaps with some of your colleagues, and especially at your level, who could understand you. So in that sense, a lot of your decision making, uh, you were left quite alone to make the big decisions and so on. And uh, that is something that you, after a time, it can become quite burdensome. So that's one of the challenges that I realized that I had when I was working as an executive. And I later actually, uh, felt quite bad and to the point where I, I got sick, uh, I was basically burnt out and I resigned from one of my big jobs because I just couldn't take it. And uh, what I realized looking back is that all it was that I kept things to myself rather than sharing the problems with someone. Right. So I think that realization of not sharing and reaching your tipping point until it's too much and you reach this position that you feel like you have to resign, right? So that that's not anything that anyone wants to willingly do. Um, and obviously it's a big loss to companies. So what do you think are some strategies that companies can implement to make sure that leaders are not in this position where they feel lonely, they feel like they can't share or that they're pushed to this point where they're burnt out and wanting to walk out? Well, there's a few things you can do. One is the company culture that you basically need to encourage people to be more transparent and, and uh, to be vulnerable. And that has to start from the top. You cannot expect your staff uh, at the lower level to suddenly start opening up about all their challenges and talking about that. It needs to start from the top. So if you're uh, the boss of a team or a company, be vulnerable, show some vulnerability to your team, because if you open up to them and then they will open up to you. And let's face it, Nea, we are all going through some challenging times in the last one and a half year uh, with the pandemic, both professionally and personally. So if you boss, you now had a perfect opportunity to share what is going on at your end, and you can share that because when you've done that, yeah, indeed, your staff will feel more comfortable in sharing. So that is one thing you can do in regards to company culture. The second thing that you can do in a company is also to encourage a sort of peer-to-peer -peer coaching environment and mentoring environment where basically the staff also have someone outside the team who they can talk to. And not only a boss who's checking in on the KPIs and pushing you to achieve the targets, uh, because that can be draining, but also someone where you have this relationship where you, they're checking in with you actually on a one-on-one -on -one confidential basis for you to share what is going on. And in my case, when I went down, there was no one who had that conversation with me. The pressure built up on me, the pressures more and more and more, mm -hmm. and I had to deliver, and I did deliver. So when I eventually bursted and I resigned, they were shocked, they were sad, and it was this story again, oh, if only you told us, you know, but in my mind, I already was in a different place. It had gone too far. And this is a story that I heard so many times. That is so true. It gets to a point where it's gone too far, right? So I think you had some really good suggestions there. One that I just want to call out and maybe we can discuss a little bit in more detail is peer-to-peer -peer sharing or mentoring. So what, what are some strategies or actionable ways that we can implement mentoring or a peer-to-peer -peer program in a company? And what does that success look like? How do we know that companies are doing it right? 
Yeah, no, I think there's many levels that we can look at this. And, and, and if we're starting from ourselves, and let's say we are a senior executive ourselves in an organization, sometimes maybe we don't feel comfortable to ask in the company for this help and this support. And uh, actually, I did a survey here in Singapore by senior executives, and it showed that 84% of senior executives are not comfortable to ask for help in a company. They just are not comfortable having this conversation. So my first advice there, if you are in that situation and you, you feel that they don't have the procedures and you you don't want to talk to your company, then let's face it, there's so much uh, support to get outside your company. Find a coach, find a mentor in a mentoring program or join perhaps a confidential peer group, which is what I'm working in. So that's one thing that you, I think you should take away. Secondly, to answer your question, inside the company, what should you do? Well, as a boss, I would say it's your responsibility, and especially during these challenging times, to establish this. And the, the, the coaching, the mentoring, or the peer groups support that. They give your staff some allowance, encourage it. Sign up for that yourself. And again, be vulnerable. Show that I'm going through a difficult time myself. I have my coach. And by the way, I'm a volunteer for this mentoring organization, and I'm also having a mentor myself. We need to have this in place. And if you look at it from many organizations, in uh, outside of your company that are, for example, mental health organizations. And I belong myself to support group uh, for over three years now. There's a reason why you have a sponsor sort of relationship where as soon as a newcomer come in in this environment, there's a sponsor, someone with more experience who support that person. And this new person eventually also will get their own. We need to create this kind of culture in a company. And again, now, not only for following up on KPIs, but to discuss how we are feeling and the challenges we are going through so that we can share openly our challenges. Absolutely. I think it's so critical, I would say, to have that human element and not just looking at the numbers, right? Because I think there's a bit of this obsession with the KPIs and the results, which obviously matter. But in order to get there, um, we do have to take a step back and just recognize the emotions and the morale and the feelings involved in, you know, the day-to-day -day challenges at work. So I think what you called out for leaders to be more vulnerable, but to also showcase the solutions that they've implemented in uh, their work style and their work strategy, but also offering that support to their teams and that's how you build that culture is so critical. Um, something that I wanted to get your thoughts on is what are some of the regional challenges? So you have worked in Asia, your background, you know, you mentioned that you're from Europe. So you have this insight of how things operate across regions. So I'm just curious from a regional perspective, when it comes to workplace wellness, what are you seeing? Well, one thing that I can say is in Asia, it is more stigma surrounding this topic. It's uh, really, really something that people are hiding. We Westerners are a little bit more outspoken about it. And uh, that is one key thing that I see. I see that, for example, in the health organizations where I'm a volunteer, I'm a volunteer for a suicide prevention agency here in Singapore, for mm -hmm. example. And I can see how reluctant, for example, the Asians are to call this service while the Westerners are more open-minded. Uh, so that is one thing that I can see. And it's just that they are not so comfortable speaking about this. And even if we're looking at Singapore, only in 
by end of 2019 was a suicide attempt uh, uh, decriminalized here. So before that, it was considered a crime, and therefore, you know, you could not even talk about it, and you couldn't address it. This was a topic that was basically under the carpet that you couldn't even uh, discuss. That has changed now since 2020, so we are on the path moving forward. But as you can understand, it's a new fresh topic here and that's why myself as someone who's gone through some challenges and come come out of it about three and a half years ago myself after my crash i decided to speak about it and to help my local community uh, for them to uh, basically here break the stigma around this for sure i think there is still a lot of stigma and while we are hearing a lot of strong voices come out i think that regional challenge is something that any global leader should be concerned with, as we know, so many of our teams are distributed across the globe, uh, particularly now that we're seeing the rise of remote work culture, as you have many folks going back to their home countries, perhaps, or wanting to travel. I think there's unique challenges that we might have to consider when we're trying to address these issues. I wanted to also Think about your personal career journey, Nick, and think about any impactful advice that's really left a mark on you that you'd like to pass on. Well, it, I think what stands out is really that, and, and again, if I'm looking back at my journey, the, the thing is that don't keep secrets and don't try to paint up a beautiful facade, which is so typical for senior executives. And I call it in my book, a smiling depression, mm -hmm. when you basically are trying to look so great on the outside. We see this also in many celebrities and actors and so on, where we later on cannot understand, oh, why did they go for a crash? Why suddenly this person died of suicide? And we all always surprised about it but that's people are so good to put on this show and it's about looking great on the LinkedIn profile and Facebook and behind the scenes something is not in order and we just need to make sure that we are congruent here that you know that if something is not right that we ask for help and that we address it that is what I didn't do I didn't have a habit of asking for help uh, when I went through my challenges now as soon as I go through something no matter in my day-to-day -day work and I have that sort of feeling cramping feeling inside me I feel uncomfortable I feel this is not right I'm not happy about it I write it down and I immediately think who can I ask to help me with this and it can be anything from a small assignment I need to complete uh, to an application for something or to a keynote talk that I'm addressing and perhaps it's a new audience a new market a new angle rather than working on this alone I will look at you know, who is a coach or who is a mentor who among my friends uh, can actually help me uh, who can have a phone call or a zoom call or meet for a coffee to talk this through because once you've done that just by speaking up the words are coming to you and you you might have solved the problem already by just telling them about it uh, and that is my key learning that i found and that is something that i want everyone to take away from this love that i think it's so important to speak up and i do really admire your mission when it comes to addressing specifically leadership isolation and i want to give you a chance to call out anything from your book that you think would be really key for us to consider. I know that it's titled Executive Loneliness, if you wanted to kind of tap into an insight there. Yeah, and, and the, the real insight, 
is about this. It's about speaking up. That is really it. And that is what helped me with my recovery. I, after I resigned from the company, I went through a very challenging time for two years when I didn't really know my purpose. I didn't know where to go and I lost my health. I put on a lot of weight and so on. And all this time during these two years, I was still keeping everything secret. And it was only when I got so sick that I needed hospitalization uh, that I reached the bottom of my life. And I, I, I actually even wrote my will and my testament uh, because I felt that I couldn't go anymore. I wasn't suicidal, but I just was losing my health. And mm -hmm. that's when I decided to start op opening up and asking for help. And that is my, my core message of the book is that you're not alone. Ask for help. And uh, then after you're asking for help, I mean, th there will be everything. And in my case, asking for help, it was to get support. I needed medical attention. I needed to get fit again. I lost mm -hmm. all my, my health and so on. After that, it was to repair all the relationships because I kept so many secrets when I was sick and I didn't tell anyone. So it was about repairing the, all these relationships. And then finally, uh, and the last step of my book, which, which is what I want to share, that is about finding your own purpose. I basically then realized that having gone through my crash over two, three years, and then my comeback and recovery now over a few years, it's really, really about helping others and, and giving back to your society. So that's what I do now. Even this morning at 6 a.m., I was at my local charity and supporting people who are going through a similar uh, scenario that I did myself a few years ago. Yeah, I think when we think about the philanthropic autobiography, if you will, right, if you are to kind of look back at your journey of how you've volunteered or given back you often realize how much community you have um, and I think those are sort of the seeds that um, then grow and you know create uh, create more joy in your life in unexpected ways down the road is there a moment like that for you looking back at some of your charity and volunteer work that's created an unexpected turn for you I would say that every day is different and every day is special and being at the front line as a volunteer for organizations supporting uh, executives who've gone through you know burnouts crashes and mental health struggle is it, it's every day is taking new reflections for me this morning in itself uh, was one lady coming in and uh, she had had a breakdown and she had been hospitalized for three days just been released from hospital after a panic attack and uh, she's now working her way back through it and by by her way then to to start her recovery journey now was to come to this support group sharing how she felt and being around others who can understand her because what i said uh, uh, before now when i started by sharing that what is it make you feel lonely in organization i said it's that feeling of not being understood not being around mm -hmm. people who can understand you in your role and it's the same case here for her now to be around people who've been there by themselves who've been hospitalized who perhaps gone through a panic attack who understand what it is not from a doctor mm -hmm. not from an expert but people who actually been there really human people on the ground that is where it makes a difference and that affects me so much and i mean uh, i say and uh, that you know in order to keep this gift that i was given when people helped me i need to give it back and that is the, that circle that we need to have and that is what i get out of, of being there for others as well it's helping me as well to feel grateful i love that i love that and i think a lot of people hesitate because they feel that if they ask for help, they might be rejected. And I can understand how when you're already in a vulnerable position, 
to ask for help and to fear rejection, what might be your advice to those people? Well, if you're in a good space, if you're feeling okay today, sign up for a mentor program already. And I know, Nea, that you have a mentoring program yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, so if you sign up for something like this today as you listen to this then you already have your support system in case you crash down the line then you have someone you can speak to so that is good i mean don't wait for you to be down on your knees and and having uh, being in the middle of a burnout because then you need a medical attention and everything and build back completely oh, yeah. why why hit all the way to the bottom start today take action and really start giving back also if you've gone through some challenging times like i did look up your local charity and sign up there as a volunteer and, and support them because also who knows maybe two months or three months down the line it's you who actually need help Absolutely. and you 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 then go back in there for a conversation rather than uh, going too deep that's great advice i think for anyone that is listening if you are not at that point don't wait for that point it's always good to build connections sooner rather than later at some point we all are going to have to tap into our network and rely on each other so i think it's such a great message to think about it proactively rather than reactively um, i also want to know what is it that keeps you inspired in your mission it's really to make sure that I also don't slip back into bad old habits that I start to isolate myself and that working in a silo. Uh, and that is really what inspires me to keep coming back and keep supporting, uh, you know, the community. And just to, to get that reminder, because we humans very quickly have voice can fall into this, you know, self pity mode and so on, instead of be grateful for what we have. So true. I think we are receiving a lot of messages out there as we talk about workplace wellness to practice gratitude. And sometimes the message is repeated so many times that it kind of just flies over our heads, right? So question for you around gratitude. Do you have a practice or a way to implement that? Are you intentional about it? What is your opinion on it? Well, in my support group, we have different means to work with that. Uh, one way is to start every morning by sending uh, SMS or WhatsApp message to the others in this group uh, by what you are grateful for. It can be one or three or five things very briefly mm -hmm. uh, uh, to share this gratitude message with people. I also belong to a group here which every Saturday meet uh, and have a gratitude meeting where basically you start by everyone sharing what they're grateful for. So when you start your day by practicing this, uh, by you programming your mind that today I'm going to be in a grateful mode uh, rather than quickly jump on your mobile phone and start surfing social media in the morning. Instead, you write your list and you share it with someone that has worked uh, wonderful for the people I know in the program. Love that. I think there's something about sharing with others that makes it a bit more believable, right? And I think being able to witness each other's list or what others are grateful for again it just has a very different tone to it than i think for some people who struggle to journal or to create these habits that are you know um done on their own it's it's not as believable or manageable or as routine for them so i think having a support group and leaning on others again is a great way to practice gratitude and I'm sure that the benefits are immense. So what are some other benefits that you find from your support group? 
Uh, it would also be to basically continue to make amends. So if you do reply to an email, uh, perhaps in, in a tone you didn't mean to, then go back to that email right away and, and recall it or resend it with a nice message. Or mm. if you can pick up the phone and call that person and say, I just sent you an email, I didn't, didn't came out right. Uh, let's talk about it. And then you say, sorry. And that's one way to end the day, actually, right before you go to bed and so on, think about, think through your day. Did you do something uh, that you didn't feel was the best thing to do? Wasn't, were you a bit stressed perhaps and you said something you shouldn't? Then make that amend before you fall sleep so you basically cleared everything for that day uh, and you're ready to go to sleep rather than worrying about something right so kind of just looking back at the day and taking stock of what you what you might have um sent someone in an email or if it was a message and if it didn't come across the way you wanted it's always good to take stock of the day and make amends right there's always an opportunity to make amends and I think sometimes we're afraid to revisit the issue but it's always good to nip it in the bud and sleep with a with I guess um, a clear conscience right knowing that you've kind of wrapped up your day um, in a way that is going to make sure that you have good relationships throughout the week and and so forth right yes and it's all about uh cleaning your side of the street because the other person might not accept your apology mm -hmm. and that's that's on them it's not your problem you've done what you can and you're ready to move forward great are there any final words you'd like to share with listeners when it comes to workplace wellness and particularly for leaders who might be feeling isolated or lonely yeah, just my final message is yeah, that take action today. Don't wait around, uh, get a coach, get a mentor or belong to a support group or a confidential professional peer group. Where you, so you surround yourself and have all the support there for you. And yeah, you have to take that action yourself. Perhaps if your company is not offering that, it might not be on their agenda. Then I would say you are responsible for your own life, your own career, your own well-being. Uh, so the key is, yeah, it's about taking action. I love it. Thank you so much, Nick. Really appreciate your insights. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Career Catharsis podcast. It would mean the world to me if you shared this episode with somebody that you know to inspire someone to take the next step in their career. Send me your feedback at coach.neha.coram at gmail.com. Connect with me on Instagram at coach.neha or find me on LinkedIn Simply type my name, Neha Koram, and you'll find me. Looking forward to connecting and see you next time. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Career Catharsis podcast. It would mean the world to me if you shared this episode with somebody that you know to inspire someone to take the next step in their career. Send me your feedback at coach.neha.coram at gmail.com. Connect with me on Instagram at coach.neha or find me on LinkedIn. Simply type my name, Neha Koram, and you'll find me. Looking forward to connecting and see you next time.